So I've been working for about 9 or 10 years essentially, right? Um, and yet I still, I mean even when I was like 5 or 6 years in, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I chose a lot of things just based on the media, just based on what my friends said. But I felt that one very good thing um, that I encourage a lot of students to do uh, is to be open and to get that kind of hands-on experience to, to actually find out really what is the job, the job about and what better way than to do an internship which actually you know pays you to do the, the job and you at the same time really get to know the day-to-day -day operations uh, of the role because sometimes there are some jobs that can seem very attractive from the outside uh, but when you realize I mean, when you're actually working in them uh, you realize oh it's a completely different story from what you thought Regine Chan is the co-founder of Generation Z, a Singapore-based non-profit enterprise with a core belief that everyone deserves fair and equal economic opportunities. She has done a lot of internships and brings a diverse set of experience in strategy and engineering. And she's also a recent graduate from NTU with a bachelor's in business and a minor in computer science. And she has also done um, several co-curricular activities in NTU, such as being the president of the Investment Banking Club uh, and the chairperson of uh, financial technology um, teams and, 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 and a ton of other financial activities in the university. So Regine, I'm so glad uh, that you could join me in this podcast where we can talk about what it means to, be, to have a career as a Gen Z. You, are, you identify yourself as a Gen Z and as well as what tips you would like to share um, with millennials today. So, thank you. Yeah, uh, so hi everyone, my name is Regine. I'm currently working as a consultant uh, in McKinsey and & Company and I'm also, uh, you know, I've also previously worked in companies, uh, a lot of different companies including technology, uh, finance uh, and consulting as well. And I've also started my own company uh, back then when I was still in school. So I think, you know, uh, hope to you know, have, a, have a great chat today. Awesome. So you've done a lot of, a lot of internships, right? Uh, I had a look at your LinkedIn profile and it's really very long. <laughs> you've done so many things right from, um, you, you've done F&B jobs and you've also done consulting, which you started a company in and you've done, um, uh, in, you've done tech companies too. So, you know, as you've been through so many interviews, as I can imagine, um, what are some of the best interview tips that has worked for you? Hmm. Actually, um, so, you know, I mean, all of these different jobs, right, they are all so different, right, but they still actually go for, you know, there's a few commonalities between these different uh, enterprises, whether they are F&B or whether they are um, startups, you know, or whether they are even large enterprises. Uh, so there's a few common threads, uh, specifically three. So one of which is, I think a lot of uh, interviewees often forget to actually bring in a positive and uh, energetic uh, and enthusiastic attitude. Um, a lot of them are very focused on preparing for the interviews, um, preparing for the, the case, for example, for consulting, or you know, really stress, stressing about uh, you know, what kind of a modeling question is going to be uh, asked for, for finance. But to be honest, um, you know, energy and enthusiasm really plays a big role. Um, as, as well as being able to, you know, uh, take in feedback uh, and act on them immediately. That is also something that, you know, is actually very integral. And this is something that, you know, regardless of whatever job, uh, you know, I've interviewed for, uh, it is always something that, you know, employers are looking for because they want to see someone who is passionate about the cause that they're serving or passionate about the work that they're doing and who brings in that new energy and that new kind of thinking mm. to the organization. 
So the second one is also, uh, I think, you know, getting to know about, more about the company. So you might think that, for example, for uh, an F&B restaurant, you know, they, they don't really care so much about your experience. I mean, it depends, but some of the F&B restaurants I've worked in actually do ask you, you know, uh, do you have experience working, uh, you know, as a cashier or, or do you have experience, at, you know, packing the food? And these are some things that, you know, even if you haven't done before, it's always good to do a lot of research and uh, come across as knowledgeable and well-prepared before the interview. And the last point, I think, is, um, yeah, so, you know, I think it goes, so people always f focus on the preparation aspect, uh, but they also forget about the people aspect. And, you know, always come prepared with questions, especially questions that, you know, uh, are well thought through, not just based on, what you see online, but you can even speak to people who you know have worked in similar industries or who have worked in similar uh, enterprises before. And I think the questions that you ask, you know, always uh, show the level of um, research and interest that you have in the company as well. So if, for example, someone uh, comes into a consulting interview and asks me, oh, you know, so what do you do here on a daily basis? Mm. I mean, that's a fair question, but. Uh, that shows that you haven't really done a lot of research uh, about what the consultant actually does and there's a lot of materials online on that. Yeah. But if you ask a question that, you know, it's like, it's more like, oh, so, um, you know, out of all of the, I mean, or maybe like, what's the, what, what is one of the key factors that make you stay in consulting? Is it the, um, is it the, the kind of impact they're creating at work? Is it the kind of uh, traveling opportunities or, you know, and it shows that they have actually done that kind of research they have thought through and they are also asking the questions, you know, uh, planning ahead for themselves. So I think there's a lot of different kind of uh, preparation that students can do, uh, both from a people aspect and from a, from a more textbook based aspect. Okay, great. So uh, I, I, I want to zoom into some of the big concepts that you, that, uh, you have just uh, mentioned, right? So now, given that it's COVID-19, um, a lot of interviews are being done online. So based on our experience of having been through so many um, interviews, because those interviews were in person, uh, definitely creating energy is one of the key traits of uh, being a good um, team player. But then now, because interviews are online, right, how would you do it differently if you were to um, do, if you were to go into the interviews, how would you try to create energy um, through the camera, you know, through and try to connect virtually with your interviewers? Yeah, this is a, this is an awesome question. Um, to be very honest, right, if I were interviewing today in the COVID period, I, I'm very sure I would have done a, I mean, very, I mean, I don't think I would have done a very good job, to be honest, because like what you mentioned, right, the personal aspect comes so much at play. I've spoken to many of my juniors um, who are currently interviewing for different jobs, whether it's full-time or internship. And yes, it's, it's actually really difficult to establish um, a form of connection and relationship. And it's true that actually uh, COVID has resulted in interviews becoming a little bit more direct, a little bit more transactional. So typically when you go to an interview back then, sometimes an interviewer will ask you like, oh, so, you know, I mean, how do you get here? Or what do you have for lunch? Or, you know, how was your day so far? And this kind of... Um, Ice-breaking questions actually help a lot uh, in, you know, not just for them to know you, but for also you to engage with them and show that you're someone that they can, uh, you know, that they will enjoy talking to. So typically, there's this test called the airplane test mm -hmm. in consulting. And yesterday, I just found out there's another term for it. It's called the traffic light test. 
but the top the methodology is the same. So it's really about um is this person someone you can spend, you know, uh I mean that you can actually spend a whole airplane ride talking to or in a in a traffic light situation, is this person you can I mean, is this someone you can actually uh talk to and you wish the traffic light doesn't move, you know, instead of uh, you know, wanting the traffic light to go. Yeah. So this kind of personal aspects um is getting tough. Uh but I think there's still ways to establish a sort of report, especially um when it comes to questions. Uh that is definitely one point that shows, you know, both your level of interest and your uh and of course like the energy that you and the, the enthusiasm that you have for the role. Yeah. So Andrew, how how about you? Like have you interviewed uh people, you know, during this period? Uh or you know, have you tried doing an online interview before? Well, you're, you're flattering me. Uh, have I interviewed anyone? No, I haven't interviewed anyone yet. I'm not in... Oh, you're interviewing me now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a fair question to ask um, because I have my own thoughts about um, this as well. Um, the way I really just try to bring energy into a conversation is really just to be interested and to listen and to ask um, great questions. Um, I find a lot of the questions online... Uh, a, a good starting point, but it's not as easy as cut and paste into a situation. Um, it really takes uh, some listening skills as well to really connect um, with the interviewers. And uh, as you can see right now, I'm also standing up because that is actually one of the best tips, right, that I would do absolutely if I were to do any interviews today, really. That, that's a completely different level of of energy and experience when you're standing up because right now in yeah i never uh, knew about that yeah because right now in in uh, in the zoom setting you can stand up but in the past in the office they will be probably asking you why you're standing up <laughs> you, you can't be standing up and then your manager sitting down that, that's not not gonna happen but yeah i mean the, the 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 main point is i think and bring energy into a conversation is definitely important being engaging and, and interesting is also uh, a good uh, trait to to show that you're really interested. And I was going to ask you the, the next question, right? Which is, how do you ask uh, great questions? Because you mentioned that um, asking questions is important to connect with your interviewers. Um, and and you've seen a lot of people, you've worked with a lot of people before. What are some of the um, tips that you go about to ask great questions? Yeah, so I think there's a, I mean, I think that's a you know very interesting question, and um, you know to ask great questions, uh, it comes. I actually ask questions not just to say interviewees. I mean personally myself, I've I've done a little bit of interviews here and there, mm. but not not for actually full time roles. Um, but and also at the same time, I you know actually uh talk to interview a lot of clients, a lot of experts as well in consulting. So there's many different kind of interviews, right? But uh, there's always three tips that I felt was very helpful. One of which is actually just like what you mentioned, which is about listening, about um, proactively engaging with people. And the listening aspect is something that, you know, uh, maybe a lot of people, they, they think that, you know, it comes naturally, but it actually does take a lot of effort to uh, listen, uh, you, know, uh, you know, attentively and also, um, you know, ask the questions that relate to what they just said. And this is something that, you know, 
because typically uh, what, what candidates might do and myself included right when I when I first started was that I always prepare like a list of you know like 10 questions you know whether I'm going to a networking session or where, whether I'm going for an interview I prepare a list of like 10 or, or like 3 questions and I just keep you know bombarding them with the questions I don't really care about what they just said to be honest uh, that was when I first started, right? And it, it's quite obvious. Um, and so, I mean, it's not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, it could be, it could help to calm the nerves, you know, people know what they're they're asking. But if you really want to form a connection with people, listening is extremely important. So yeah, I think, Andrew, that's a amazing tip that you gave about the standing thing. I never knew about that. Um, and second thing is, um, yeah, I think beyond listening, um, it's also important to, uh, you know, frame your questions um concisely uh, and 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 yet uh, empathetically so uh, I've encountered situations where I've met you know uh, people who are interviewing or you know interview related situations for myself even where I ask a very long and convoluted question to show that you know I'm very knowledgeable so I'll ask <laughs> like um, I'll ask oh okay so you're in this sector and then I'll ask like really long convoluted question and nobody really gets the question that I'm even asking in the first place and then after that, you have to ask the person to repeat themselves and maybe say it shorter, which also comes across, you know, I mean, of course, you know, not as uh, pleasant as, as it should be. So think, just think like directly, you know, what is the specific point you're asking? Um, and I think during the follow-up portions, you maybe you can want to show some of your knowledge in this aspect, but always keep, you know, your, your questions short to, you know, a couple of um, keywords, uh, and I think that's the, that's the two main points that I have, mm. actually. Okay, great. Thank you, Regine, for sharing. Um, so let's move on to your own career. Um, you've done a lot of internships, right? So I, I was going to ask you, what did you want um, in a career back then? And how has those wants changed as you did internship after internship? You see, I was a... I mean, people think that I actually have everything planned. You know, since day one when I entered uni um, or since I, I was in like JC, I mean, just based on my, you know, when they see my resume, right? But to be honest, I didn't know any, I mean, I was still, and, and I've been working for, I mean, if you took it at even the it's like odd jobs kind of thing, I was working for quite a number of years. Um, I was, I mean, now it's a 201, two, I mean, 2020. So I've been working for about nine or 10 years, essentially, right? Um, and yet I still, I mean, even when I was like five or six years in, I really, didn't know what I wanted to do. I chose a lot of things just based on the media, just based on what my friends said. But I felt that one very good thing um, that I encourage a lot of students to do uh, is to be open and to get that kind of hands-on experience to, to actually find out really what is the job, the job about and what better way than to do an internship which actually you know pays you to do the, the job and you at the same time really get to know the day-to-day -day operations uh, of the role. Because sometimes... There are some jobs that can seem very attractive from the outside, uh, but when you realize, I mean, when you're actually working in them, uh, you realize, oh, it's a completely different story from what you thought. Uh, so, for example, there was one company I was working in. Yeah, so I, I mean, and also in the the role sounded very um exciting. So of course, you know, I was very thankful for the opportunity and all, but it was actually very different from what I imagined it to be. Both the company itself and the role itself. Um, so I, you know, I mean, I mean, of course, the company was amazing company. Um, you know, they did a lot of really cool stuff. But after entering the company, um, I realized that, you know, there's some, of course, every company has their pros and cons. They have their own uh, inter internal rate tapes. Um, and, you know, a lot of things has changed uh, uh, during the recent few years as the company scales up. 
So I think that was something that I didn't know before I entered the company. And after I entered the company, did the internship, I actually realized that, hey, uh, maybe this is not the, the environment that you know, I, I thought I was actually going for. And even for the role itself as well, you know, you, you might think that you would be taking a lot of responsibility um, and you might be uh, having, you know, a lot of, like thousand and one things to do and you might be working on the very cool mega projects, for example. But, you know, I've, uh, in that role itself, I, I realized that, hey, actually, there's some uh, more specific things you're, you need to look at um, that maybe it's not really in line with my interest. So, in that sense, you know, I also come to the decision, like, maybe this is not the right role for me in the future, even though it was a company that I was very interested in. So similarly, like for other uh, undergraduates, I felt that, you know, keep yourself open to different opportunities. Don't, uh, and, and, you know, whether it's uh, in consulting, finance, technology, design, product, or other roles, there's a lot of um, opportunities that you can explore and shouldn't limit yourself to just one role. Keep continue exploring. Maybe you might think that you like finance, but your, your, your real passion is actually in uh, design. Right. I mean, I've met people like uh, as such. Yeah. Uh, you might think that your your passion is in consulting, but actually, you know, what you really want to do is, you know, uh, operations and driving uh, product excellence, right? And, and really having more hands-on experience. So without going into a role, getting the internship experience, uh, you it's very hard for you to tell from the outside, you know, how a company and how a role is like. Okay, so... So you basically wanted exposure. You, you you did a variety of jobs just to understand what you like and more importantly, what you don't like. So you went through a couple of internships and, and all that. So so what is it that you want in a career right now, having been through so many internships? How would you define what you want in a career? I think um, some... So after, you know, being through so many different uh, roles, right, made me a lot more self-aware about what I'm good in, what I'm not good in, and what I want from a role and what I don't want. So something, some like three things that I want from a role, uh, to keep it short, is something that is very dynamic, so it changes every day, uh, and something that is very intellectually challenging, both the people work, that I'm working with, as well as the topic that I'm working on, uh, and the nature of the work. And lastly, I think something that, you know, actually... Um, helps me uh, towards my, you know, greater life purpose at the end of, at, you know, uh, I mean, at the end of, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking of, right? So something that advances my uh, personal interest. And of course, um, my personal interest is very much about um, empowering youths and people, youths uh, and, you know, under disadvantaged groups as well. And I always believe that, you know, uh, a career in a place that, actually helps me get to that goal um, is something that I'm always looking for. So that's why I, I entered consulting rather than joining a corporate immediately because consulting is a, I mean, it's a great, um, it's a great career for people who want to, you know, witness diverse industries, see how different management uh, engages with this, you know, di different types of groups of people and seeing what are the existing gaps um, in the system and how you can actually change them. So I think this is something that you know, I was always looking for in my career. So you've also worked in the media industry as I looked at your LinkedIn profile. Um, and what are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned from working in the, in the media industry? Because you also mentioned one um, key point about that, which is building long-term relationships. Even though you have left, um, you, you don't, you're not in the, in the media industry anymore. 
but you still maintain long-term relationships with them. What kind of value has that brought you today? Mm, yeah, that's a very uh, cool question. Because working in the media industry, um, you know, it's been very interesting. Uh, and I, th- I thought that, you know, there's a lot of um, experiences there that were directly translatable to my working experiences. So actually three things that I learned right, uh, from the media industry uh, and um, of course my, my uh, interest in this industry as well. The first part I learned was the importance of having long-term relationships and how long-term relationships actually uh, you know, help you, you know, in the career and also, both, and also in personal life as well. So the thing about the media industry in Singapore or even I'm very sure overseas as well is that uh, a lot of times the the jobs um, or maybe say the opportunities that you get, right, they come from two sources. One, your agency or, you know, your self-source um, organically, right? Uh, and secondly, through actually more inorganic means, such as the person in the company who already knows you, who has worked with you before uh, and who likes you as, you know, a person who likes your, your work ethic. Um, I think that was something that I learned a lot uh, during the media industry and it's also very applicable to consulting. Because uh, I remember a couple of times when I was, you know, working as a model in some of the uh, events and also in some of the photo shoots, the client, the client actually called me back for multiple shoots after the session just because they liked my uh, professional attitude. You know, I was punctual, I arrived on time. Um, they liked, you know, the work ethic that, you know, I was receptive to feedback and, and criticism as well and, and acted on them immediately. And also the fact that I even, I mean, I, I also, you know, started conversations with them. I tried to get to know them better as people and not just as a, a client or someone I was working with. And this is something that is super important. And I realized even myself and many people may struggle in this, which is the importance of maintaining long-term relationships with people uh, because they can be so integral to both yourself as a person and your career. The second thing I learned about working in the industry was actually making a group of diverse friends. Um, again, another thing that I noticed a lot of people they actually might not um, think about or they might not actually uh, realize that they actually don't have a very diverse group of friends. So just over this weekend, I was discussing with actually this volunteering group that I have. Um, you know how I actually know I mean, there's this survey that was run recently with a group of I think Chinese uh, youths, and actually they were asked you know for example how many uh, friends do you have that are outside of your racial group, and I mean of course race is one thing and also even like just different perspectives people who are in the different industries from you who are working in uh, not you know say one of these uh, more traditional banking or finance kind of industries but some something that's a bit more artistic. How many friends do you have in such circles, and how many and how well do you know, uh, say, be, this this friend of this industry, right? So, that's something that is actually very important because it broadens your worldview, it broadens your knowledge, uh, and perspectives on you know the different parts of Singapore, the different industries that we have, and different segments that uh, of of jobs that we have in both in Singapore and overseas. So this is something that you know you can actually learn a lot from the people uh, from different uh, areas. Uh, they might be experts. I mean, you might be an expert in finance or you might be an expert in consulting, but you are definitely not an expert in uh, filming or photography or acting compared to, or even hosting compared to all of these uh, individuals. And the last thing I realized is actually uh, something that my friend told me, um, which is actually that it's very important to have both, say, uh, a career that is more analytical, analytically driven, 
and a career that is a bit more artistically or creativity driven. So something that engages both your right brain and your left brain. And actually that makes a lot of sense because I, I believe that us as humans, right, we we have two parts of the brain. Of course, we, we always lean towards one side more. Um, different individuals lean towards different sides um, more. But I, I still think it's very important to engage with the other side of our brain. Uh, whether you're in a... I mean, for example, if you're an actor, you should also be trying something that's a bit more an- analytically driven. And similarly, if you are someone who is working in a professional industry, then you should definitely have an artistic hobby. Um, but it, I mean, it could also be outside of the media. You could just be, say, painting, uh, photography... Or, you know, even just going to do some like art jamming um, and anything like that. I think there's something that is very important that maybe a lot of Singaporeans have not considered about. So I highly encourage people, you know, in both sides of the spectrum to actually, you know, try to engage with the other side of the spectrum. And I think you can learn a lot uh, and you can have a lot of fun doing that as well. Yeah, so there's some things that I, I actually learned from this. Nice. Thank you so much, Regine, for sharing. Um, the, the, the point about uh, having... Um, I think most jobs uh, in the industry, okay, I think not most jobs. I think many jobs, many of us find ourselves in jobs that are very analytically driven, uh, looking at spreadsheets and all that data, but we can still do our own creative stuff, such as having an Instagram account or, you know, starting a YouTube channel or, you know, just doing something artistic on the sidelines. That helps us to stay engaged and really, you know, um, one analogy that I read in the book about how to why, why we should use our left and right brain is because just like how we have two legs, uh, two feet, we, we want to run, right? So if we just use one at a time, then we'll just be hopping. But if we use both, then uh, we can go faster and further. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> right. Okay, so you were exploring. So right now you want to have a challenging career. So you join consulting and I can imagine... And you're solving some really difficult business problems that the businesses themselves couldn't solve. That's why they find consultants, right? Um, and at the same time, you are interested in the startup scene because you have your own um, startups. You have a um, you started a nonprofit organization, and you also um, started one in uh, enterprise technology. So tell us a bit more about that. What do you think people? or young people need to know first uh, before they really go into startups? Yeah, so to, to be very frank, I was I would have never considered myself as someone who could give extremely good advice about startups per se because even though I've worked with many different stakeholders in a startup ecosystem, personally, because I'm extremely passionate about this, I always felt that startups are the key drivers of growth you know, for Singapore moving forward and also... Uh, a great enabler for people, um, you know, from underprivileged communities. But I never felt that, for example, I was, you know, especially an expert in this area. The reason being that um, I actually started my own startup once. Uh, it was actually an enterprise technology startup. I had a lot of, I mean, it was there were successes. There were a lot of um, great successes. There were a lot of people who believed and trust in our mission and also, you know, also bought our product, I mean, bought, bought our solution. Um, but there also a lot of challenges that I, I realized, especially as a student founder back then. Um, and this is some, these are some of the struggles that I face, right? So one is, you know, as a student founder, you're always dealing with the issue of age uh, and credibility. Hmm. So when I was pitching to, you know, both investors and businesses who were actually considering, um, you know, uh, whether they should get our product or whether they should do the POC with us, um, you know, 
and actually, I, I even had two founder, co-founders, right, who were very senior. They were about like 30 or 40 plus years old. Um, and they were, of course, very experienced in the kind of work that we were doing. But given that I was the CEO, um, it was the, the optics is something that is very important, right? Like how you, how you look, um, how you portray yourself, you know, in your actual age itself. I think that is something that I could have done better. I think, uh, and which is why I joined consulting as well, right? Because consulting teaches you executive presence, um, how to communicate with senior business leaders. Back then, I was still someone who I would say, you know, came across as very young, maybe not so, not very mature and knowledgeable. And it, it becomes even more difficult, especially if you're working on an enterprise or B2B solution, not a B2C solution. Mm. Reason being, B2C, you're interacting with consumers. They honestly don't really care so much, you know, uh, what's the age of this founder? I mean, okay, well, some of them, if it's a very advanced B2C product, they could care. But to be honest, enterprises place a lot more focus uh, on the maturity of the founder because they're always thinking, hey, um, is this company going to fall one day and I'm, I paid for the solution and then I'm left stranded, you know, and the solution is not running and I need to spend time, I need to spend energy, I need to spend resources to get a new solution. So um, companies are always thinking about, you know, age and maturity as a, a key factor when they make decisions uh, whether to get or even do a partnership with a startup. So that was one of the key struggles that I faced uh, that I felt that, you know, as a student founder, this is, is both about your actual age and also about the kind of maturity uh, that you display when talking to senior executives. So that's the first portion. And I think second portion, which I learned about is that um, Singapore itself, to be very honest, it's very hard to fail here. Uh, in fact, Singapore has a term for company. I mean, there's a, there's a term for Singapore companies or startups who are, I mean, they're just getting by. They're doing okay. You know, the, they're making um, some money. They're not like literally dying or anything, but they are not doing especially well either. And it's called zombies. Mm. So technically, you know, they have enough funds to run because the government actually provides a lot of funding. There's a lot of free ex uh, access to, or very subsidized access to infrastructure for the officers or uh, very subsidized access to even equipment or even for um, employees as well. They, get, they, do get, they do get some degree of subsidies. And it's quite hard for a Singapore startup to, uh, to, to actually not succeed, uh, given that there's so much excess of resources, um, both from the government support uh, and so many venture capitals are based here. Um, so many accelerator, incubator programs are based here. And I think something I, I was discussing with a very a friend who just IPO'd uh, his startup in the US was that uh, the, if you want to succeed as a startup, you have to go out of Singapore or you should in fact start outside of Singapore and then after you come back to Singapore uh, and, and continue building the, the startup here, right? Because I think, yeah, because com countries like, you know, say uh, India or Indonesia or, you know, even like China, for example, there's a lot of um, red tapes. There's a lot of um, different, very different dynamics uh, related to, um, you know, say you, you know, having to having to sometimes you know offer uh, something to the government officials to get what you want, mm. or even to some news reporters to get what you want. I mean, this is uh, some of the common practice, right? That they actually have there, which maybe a lot of us may not be able to appreciate in Singapore, given that everything is so well organized, everything is um you know very structured and uh uh and by by the book here. 
So this is something that, you know, a lot of startups can start considering or a student entrepreneur should consider, which is maybe even going just for a student immersion program. Uh, I think NUS has a lot of programs. Uh, NTU and SMU, they do have programs but not entrepreneurship related. So this is an avenue that you can consider, you know, doing something outside of Singapore and then coming back to Singapore. And the last part for uh, entrepreneurs, I think, is look for people who are different from yourselves. Don't um, do something with people who have very similar line of thinking as you because people with extremely different experiences, you know, in terms of age-wise or uh, even in terms of what you study, I think they bring a lot of different perspectives to the startup and they can become very valuable one day uh, when you least expect it. Yeah. So how about you, Andrew? Um, when you actually, you know, start your, uh, you know, when you actually do your own uh, ventures and podcasts, you know, how do you actually start all of this and what are some of the tips that you have for folks out there? Yeah, I can definitely relate to the advice that you're sharing here. If I were to just box myself up and only listen to local podcasts in Singapore, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, I, I yeah, so I tune in abroad. I listen internationally to some of the leading podcasts in the world and try to understand what makes them uh, move. Ooh. What makes them What podcast popular. do you listen to? Well, I listen to some, you know, the popular ones like Tim Ferriss' podcast. I listen to um, Pat Flynn's podcast, um, mostly American podcasts. Um, there are some uh, interesting local podcasts too. But basically, try to learn from them. And and I think it's not just because of the market that they're huge, right? Um, and, and it's not just because the people, uh, the, the, the citizens there listen to podcasts because they drive miles and hours on the road. But I think that um, that is also about the kind of content that uh, you put out there that, that you really want to find a product fit or you want to find a market fit with, um, with an audience here. And I learned a lot about content creation and, and, and the art that goes into that. So definitely, I think uh, looking abroad and, and thinking abroad helps to broaden your mindset and then you can come back here and really bring on that entrepreneur mindset to, to, to really think about okay, so everything's very well organized here already. What else do people need? And, and really, I think that's, that's really the, 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 the whole point about um, content creation, which is you've got to find out what people need and you've got to meet that need. Yeah, correct. I think that's actually something that is so, you know, I mean, it can transcend across different uh, fields and careers, right? And, you know, looking, having a global perspective, but of course the local uh, uh uh, application right or execution is that's very important yeah. yeah so thanks Eugene so I hear that you you want a dynamic and challenging career and definitely going through those startups that you that you started uh, helped you to realize you know super challenging right uh, you got customers who look at you and be thinking are you going to be around for the next 10 years like why, why should I trust you and all that so you went through all those challenges and and you're here today you're into consulting you're in the consulting space so, um, how has your experience in the startup scene really, you know, transformed or influenced the way you think, the way you work today? So, I think, um, so a couple of things that I learned during my time working in a startup, especially as a student founder back then, trying to talk to a lot of um, senior executives and actually having to sell them something, to be honest, uh, being in consulting as a junior person, you're not required to, I mean, of course, you're not required to pitch anything to anyone. Um, and it's a, it's a lot more 
easy. But there's still a lot of things that, you know, are actually applicable uh, as a student founder back then. I think one of which is always stay uh, humble, uh, always be, uh, I mean, always bring that kind of humility and that kind of um, willingness to learn, uh, especially when talking to senior executives and, uh, and of course, like just clients in general. I mean, it, don't, it doesn't have to be senior executives, right? It could even be, uh, of course, working group clients as well. And I think the reason is because a lot of people, you know, they, they actually have a lot of very um, interesting perspectives. And of course, people, for consulting especially, right, uh, you're talking to people who have actually worked in company for, you know, years, right? Or even uh, many, like, decades or something. And, and that kind of ability to listen, to not think that, you know, you know it all, uh, and the ability to ask questions that can help you learn more about them, learn more about the company, uh, and do a lot of, um, you know, get, get a better understanding of them. I think that is something that is very important. And it's something that, you know, uh, I brought from my career in uh, the startup space to consulting, uh, where it becomes even more important to, or maybe, you know, similarly important, right, to actually listen to what the client says, because you have zero in you have you have zero like experience in the industry. I work in industries that I have never worked in before, such as semiconductors, such as with um infrastructure assets, uh, such as commodities trading, and you 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 honestly wouldn't know about any of this. And what you can really do is to ask good questions, to listen well, and to bring a you know humble mindset that you have a lot to learn from you know any individual that you meet. So that is one thing that I I felt um you know I learned from my time in the startup. I think another thing that I learned was that, you know, ability to actually be both a leader and a, a, a team player at the same time. I think that's very important. I mean, of course, and leaders themselves have to be a team players as well. And I think consulting, you know, you're actually stuck in a room of, uh, you know, four or five consultants uh, in the client place. And you also have to work with clients as well uh, who are part of your, who will become part of your team. And, you know, being... Uh, having that kind of team player aspect uh, and also bring a collaborative attitude, uh, you know, trying to help people when you can, when you can, right? Um, for, for example, if you have, you have already completed your work and you see someone is really struggling to, uh, you know, do their work, you know, um, being able to actually tell them that, hey, you know, I'm actually available now. Actually, I don't have, uh, I mean, I've actually finished what I'm doing. Do you have, do you need help? Uh, you need to, I mean, or sometimes some of the, my cl- colleagues, you know, they have different situations, especially now we work from home. A lot of them are parents or a lot of them maybe are expecting um, or they have their own family commitments and, you know, helping them to actually, being able to, number one, empathize with them, empathize with their situation. Uh, and number two, you know, uh, you know, kind of um, being able to support them uh, during this kind of timings, right? I think that's something that's very important. And similarly, within a startup, right, bring that kind of empathy to a client. Sometimes they actually do have situations that um, are affecting them. For example, I've met a, uh, one of my clients back then who I was trying to do a POC with. They were an SME and they had, and I was trying to sell, I mean, I was trying to pitch a very next generation kind of solution to them, but they actually didn't have, you know, any, uh, I mean, of course, they, I mean, for example, they, they didn't really actually have many digital tools to begin with. They didn't have Salesforce. They don't have any of this kind of... I mean, the, the, the most um, digitally advanced thing they were using was Microsoft uh, Office. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to pitch to them something that is maybe really next generation, like 3, 3D um, infrastructure management, right? And to be honest, you know, we had to really see how can we scale this down uh, to be suitable for the client? Uh, how can we, you know, design something that, you know, is suitable for their needs? 
So th- I think this kind of em- the kind of empathy that you need to have uh, is also very important in, in, in many different contexts, which I think a lot of people uh, might forget about. And the last thing is the ability to make small talk. So, uh, and small talk to break the ice. And I think it always comes with, you know, a, diff- a lot of different, uh, I mean, there's a lot of tips to make good small talk. So sometimes just, I mean, it doesn't have to be even about outfit. Of course, for, for women, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, for men also, right? You can also talk about outfit uh, that they are wearing or any interesting, um, uh, you know, events that happened recently. But I think we, having, having the ability to make good small talk is important, both in uh, startup scene and also in consulting because that helps them to understand you as not just a business professional, but as a person. Yeah. So, yeah, how about you, Andrew? Um. How, how do you um, manage that? I mean, how do you actually use your experiences, you know, working in the podcast scene uh, on your day-to-day job? Wow. Uh, thanks. Thanks for the question, Regine. So I think I basically learned how to ask great questions as well and be a good uh, team player in team meetings. Because in my line of work, we do a lot of conference calls. Um, I think 90% of our meetings are over conference calls. Um, so it's really important to um, understand how to conduct and participate effectively in such audio-only meetings when you can't see a person, right? So I think in through podcasting, it has helped me to really listen better and try to manage the agenda and expectations through the audio. So really, you re- it, the listening has to go through the go on to the next level because you're not just uh, you, you cannot see the person, so you cannot have all those usual body signs and signals. You really have to listen carefully to the person uh, using your ears to understand how the person is feeling, what the person wants, whether the person understands you. I think those those are some of the really valuable um, things that, that has uh, benefited my line of work through podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, and something I realized about you know you when you actually do the podcast is that uh, you actually carry yourself very well. You know, you speak, um, I mean, something I'm trying to learn as well, right, which is speak, being able to speak at a very good pace that people can digest uh, and at the same time articulating, you know, some of the key words and being able to summarize and synthesize. I think that is some of the things that, you know, I can really learn from you uh, and I, I felt that will be very helpful for my work as well. Oh, yeah. thank you, Regina. Yeah, I'm still learning and I'm really just observing. Uh, we have a lot of good speakers because they've been around for 10, 20 years um, like my line manager himself, he's been around for 25 years and he can talk at length and you can basically stay fully engaged because he just gives you so much valuable content um, and how they, um, so yeah, I, I, I really just try to copy them, uh, which is the, 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 like the level one method when it comes down to asking questions in a networking event, right? Uh, it's, it's you, instead of just finding a question to ask someone and then you, when you want to level up, then you try to fit in your own style and all that. So that's what I'm trying to do as well. Um, and yeah, it's a really valuable skill that can really help you to understand the audience and, and work more effectively to meet the needs and, and, and have a proper conversation. <laughs> so Regine, thank you very much, you know, so much for sharing some of those tips um, and how you've been transformed from uh, after going through that um, how you have been transformed as you went through the startup experience. Um, my main takeaways were you were able to work very, you are very, you are able to work very effectively with people now because through your internships, you have met so many people 
uh, of various ranks. So you are able to be you are able to be very open minded to understand uh, people what they want and be very supportive of um, working in a team, uh, leading a team as well, and and uh, have you know empathy and having small talk. I think all those things really go well into building a great career. Thank you, Regine, for joining me and. Uh, Tell us how can uh, the audience connect with you further if they want to get to know you a little better. Um, I think they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so my name there is Regine Chan. Uh, and also I think, yes, LinkedIn is my main channel that I use to connect people. And I also, con you know, used to chat with people as well. So that's a great avenue um, to connect. Thank you, Regine, for having us. Uh, thank you, Regine, for joining us in this podcast. And I wish to talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you.